like many of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing we could rely on to get us through the tough times we all face. We welcome you along on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and much, much more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Now let's get started. Welcome everybody to When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. And we're on YouTube today uh, because um, why not, right? Why not? So uh, if if you're on YouTube, you'll see my partner in crime, Mr. Blake Mosley, who suck Atlantis. I still don't know that how you do me. that yet, but uh, but it's whatever. We, me. Yeah, don't tell your secrets to us, cause you know, cause I don't know why. <laughs> so we should do a whole episode dedicated to breaking down the song that I got that from. Yes, that's uh, a good song, though. You know, yeah. it is. It's a great song. Map change by Every Time I Die. We should just do a whole episode about the brilliance of that song um and why i felt the need to include that in all of my bios for my social media there you go there you go yep yep, yep. so what have you been doing since well, hell it's uh it's monday now so what have you been doing since i talked to you which was last monday uh i uh, i've been working still working a lot um in between work i'm you know talking with you about episodes and things to do uh, gathering up some information for this episode, going down deep rabbit holes and mm. conspiracy theories that have kept me up at night. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, last night we had my mom over for dinner um, because uh, we hadn't seen her in a while and we wanted to uh, do something with her. So we had her over for dinner and then we, um, she bought the movie yesterday, uh, the Beatles movie. Um, are you familiar with that movie and like the concept of it? I never heard of that movie. No. Okay. So there's a struggling musician who, uh, trying to get his music out there. And one day, uh, he's about to give up, you know, on his whole music journey. Um, doesn't get a lot of gigs, doesn't have a lot of fans other than friends and family. Um, and then all of a sudden the, the power in the whole world goes off for about 12 seconds. He's riding his bike home. All the power goes out, lights and everything, and he gets hit by a bus. Uh, he wakes up in the hospital. Um, you know, a little bit of trauma and, and things like that, but he, he, he's discovered after he's woken up in the hospital, the world has it has for, either forgotten about the Beatles or the Beatles never existed. Mm. So... And he's the only person who knows any songs by the Beatles. So he gets this new guitar because his guitar his uh, guitar was damaged uh, in the accident. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, so he's just playing around on it, and he starts playing the song "Yesterday" by the Beatles. And they're his friends are like, "Oh my that god, that's so good!" <laughs> yeah. When did you write that? And he's like, "I didn't." It's the Beatles, and they're like, "Who? Who? Yeah." Right. So he discovers that he can now take all these Beatles songs that only he knows mm, right. and really use it to his advantage and becomes a very successful musician. Uh, and it's, it's just a really interesting, fun story. Um, I would highly recommend everybody nice. go watch it. We had a great time watching it. Allie loves the Beatles as we've mentioned before. So, right. you know, several of those songs really connect with her. I know you love the Beatles as well. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would suggest any Beatles fan to go check it out. Yeah. 
I uh, I just got HBO Max, so I wonder if it's on there. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. We watched it. My mom actually had a copy yep. of it on Blu-ray. Yeah, that's how we watched. Yeah. But yeah. I'm pretty um, sure I can get it somewhere if I can't get it in the store. You know, because because yeah. me and the, okay, so I don't like physical co- physical copies except if it's gonna be vinyl. That's the only physical copy that I ever will collect. You know, I mean, true. It's vinyl, in this right? day and age, you know, yeah. that's that's just the world we live in. Right. Well, I mean, I, it, I for me, anyway. it's for for me, it's not that. It's it's more of a do I have the space for all these Blu-rays? You know. Yeah, that's true. Because when I was uh, like a teenager, uh, no hell, I I uh, back in two thousand one. I had the big old bookcase, like slam packed full of, of Blu-rays, and I was renting out. So I'm like, I I gotta I, I don't know what to do with these. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was like, what am I gonna do? So I started selling them and started collecting them online. You know, download yeah. videos or whatever. So yeah. Um, but it's called yesterday. But it's called uh, ye- yesterday, right? It's called yesterday. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Um, Perfect. And uh, it's a, it's a great movie. Um, yeah. We really enjoyed watching it. Um. But I'm right there with you. As far as physical copies of things goes, yeah. uh, the things that I like to get physical copies of is it would include like special editions of albums or movies or th- or video games or things like that, which I love to get physical copies of video games because when I'm done with them, yeah. I can just get them to GameStop and turn them in and get credit, and then you can buy another one. Like you can't do that with the downloadable copy so if you're asking yourself blake whenever you do get a ps5 are you going to get the one that takes the discs uh or the one that uh you just download the games and of course i'm gonna take the discs right yeah well i don't don't know about getting my ps5 yet i will i I will get one whenever the games are coming out exclusively for it yeah but the the games you can get for the ps4 you can get 45 so i'm not even worried and i've heard that you can't find a ps5 yet still no you can't but you know the other night we had dinner with the new worship leader at our church mm-hmm. he invited me and Allie over um and they have a ps5 oh and wow i was like uh. looking at it and i wanted so bad to just be like can i just play like one thing on it just to see what it's like yeah um we never got around to it because we sat around oh, drinking man. coffee yeah. uh, and talking all night um but i was the whole time i had my eyes fixated on yes, glued glued yeah. to that okay just glued to it and i was like so bad wanting to ask one of uh their kids be like dude real quick <laughs> just uh, pop something in there and play it real quick <laughs> but, uh, yeah yeah so great weekend so far happy nice. march 1st everybody yes. uh we made it through yes. february we did um, we did man we it's been a it, slow uh, week to, to, uh, this past week slow man i've been waiting to to get to get back on when words fell with you and uh just talk yeah. about good music but yeah, i have become be i i've become uh kind of uh uh just uh like a disturbed kind of like not very okay so let me let me explain okay i love coffee right coffee is so my co- yes coffee is my jam right so I went to the store. I picked up what I thought would be a good M and M coffee creamer, mm. and it tastes just like French vanilla coffee. It's like, what are you doing, man? You really? get you get no no M and M like taste to it, you know? It's just chocolate or, yeah. or French vanilla. No, for, hmm. Yeah, French vanilla, and and it clearly says M M&M. and M. 
So I'm like, I'm I'm yeah. kind of disappointed, but not really because it's, I mean, it's so coffee, and I do love French vanilla, so it yeah. works, I guess. But uh, yeah, but I heard that. Well, that, that... You know, we had a coffee fiasco this weekend as well. Um, turns out, uh, the Bilo, the local Bilo here in Sumter, where I live, um, is closing after many years. Oh uh, no! Yeah, and we. You know, we didn't go to Bilo too much except to buy a certain type of coffee creamer that we could not find in stores anywhere else. Uh-huh. Um, it's made by Chobani that makes the um, yogurt. Right. And it is the best. And, uh, I mean, it's not like sugar-free or anything, but as far it's got like four ingredients in it. And it's very good. And it's still thick. And it tastes like regular coffee creamer. It's a little bit healthier for you. And um doesn't have the oils in it and things like that. So we were stocking up on that, and I found out Friday that Bilo was closing. And I told Allie Friday night, I was like, Bilo, uh, Bilo is closing. We probably need to stock up on the that coffee creamer because yeah. we won't be able to find it anywhere. Yeah. We went yesterday, and it is all gone. Um, so if any of you out there are familiar with the Chobani coffee creamer, um, please tell me where I can buy it in store so my wife will be uh, happy, happy again. again. Yeah. Right now, she's very bummed out, oh. and I need to do my duties as a husband and uh, make her happy. There you go. So, happy wife, happy life. Please, that's that's <laughs> that's what I hear, man. Happy life, happy wife, happy wife. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, true. Yeah. So, um, so I know that you came up with a new. Uh, a segment for the show so i'm gonna let mm-hmm. you do this day in music march first yeah uh let's talk about some things that ha- a lot of things have happened on march first yes uh in, as far as music history um in 1970 simon and garfunkel started a six-week run at the top of the u.s singles chart with bridge over troubled water <laughs> also number one in the uk in march the same year it became one of the most performed songs of the 20th century with over 50 artists among them being Elvis Presley and Aretha Franklin uh, covering the song. So, um, are you familiar with the Bridge Over Troubled Water song? I am, yeah. Now that I think about it, I didn't even know it was a Simon and Garfunkel song because I've heard so many d- people cover that song. I just had right. no idea. Yeah. Well, um, well see, I, I, I still believe that, that that's one of the biggest, that, that's one of the most covered songs ever, you know? Oh, no doubt. So, yeah. No doubt. Um, in 1977, Ray Charles was attacked on stage by a man who tried to strangle him with a microphone cord. That's just wrong. That's just messed up. Ray Charles can't even defend himself because the man was blind. I know. Right? Uh, the man was <laughs> the man was a member of a group called Project Heavy, a community program for disadvantaged youths, uh, which makes no sense to me. They promised that the matter would be handled within the organization, and no charges were laid. So. Some disgruntled, angsty teenager was like, "I'm gonna kill Ray Charles." The Even though he can't see me, he won't see it coming. Ray, literally. Ray, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of messed up, you know. That's messed up, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in 1983, U2 released their third studio album, "War," classic, uh, produced by Steve Lillywhite. The album has come to be regarded as U2's, U2's first overtly political album in part because of the songs like Sunday Bloody Sunday and New Year's Day. Uh-huh. Uh, War became the band's first number one album in the UK, knocking Michael Jackson's Thriller Ooh. from the top 
starts, right? That's big. Uh, the boy, that's that's an amazing feat. That's huge. Uh, the boy on the cover of the album is Peter Rowan, the brother of Bono's friend, uh, Guji. I may be pronouncing that wrong, I, I, from the yeah. Virgin Prune. Huh. Um, and speaking of Michael Jackson's thriller, in 1984, um, it uh, Michael Jackson won a record eight Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year for the album Thriller. Uh, which you know included record of the year and best rock vocal performance for Beat It, best pop vocal performance, best R and B performance, and best R and B song for the song Billie Jean, and best recording for uh, for children for E. T. the Extraterrestrial. And I think that uh, Eddie Van Halen did the song, did the guitar for Billie Jean, right? He did. He did all the. the he did that for free. Solo for you know Peter. that, right? And then. Uh, so Fallout Boy later covered Beat It. Mm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Back in the mid two thousands, and John Mayer actually did the guitar solos on that track. Did he do it for free, like like Van Halen? Probably not. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, not. yeah. John Mayer strikes me as a kind of person that would not do no, things for free. No. I don't know. I don't know the man personally. He might, um, but not you know. He might. Yeah. He might have a giving heart. Yeah got a broken heart being <laughs> sad songs that's right uh in 1996 grammy award winners uh included alanis morissette who won album of the year for jagged little pill which is now a broadway a musical bro- yes. did you know that yeah oh yeah yeah but it's 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 entitled jagged little pill right yeah that's right yeah. and yeah. we watched uh the the new year not new year's uh thanksgiving day parade the macy's parade um and they you know like they showcase musicals that are coming out a lot of times on that and um they did a a, a song from uh jagged little pill and i can't remember which one it was but me and Allie watched it and we love musicals right oh yeah, uh, yeah. But the, we we were like oh cool an Alanis set musical that ought to be pretty neat and then we watched it and it was so bad uh, and I looked over at Allie and she was so disappointed because she loves Alanis Morissette. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she was like, she's rolling over in her grave right now. I was like, babe, Alanis Morissette's not dead. She's not dead. <laughs> she's still alive, dude. She's still kicking. She looks uh, great, though. Anyway, she looks great. She, she still looks oh, great. She looks great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. She I don't was know married how, to Ryan I, Reynolds for a while, right? Uh, what? Ryan Reynolds? So. Really? I think she was married to Ryan Reynolds, our beloved Deadpool. Because I think she, because um, I think Ryan Reynolds is married to um, Blake Lively now, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh no. you talking about the uh, about the uh, wife he had before her? Yes, yes, I believe oh, I they were married before that. Oh, I gotta look that up. That's interesting. Yeah, interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, all this useless <laughs> knowledge in my head, and apply it anywhere else. It has to come out somewhere. It comes out here. Well, yeah. Um, but anyway, she won. Uh, best female rock vocal and best song for you ought to know um and then also at the 1996 uh grammy awards nirvana's unplugged we're going to talk a little bit about kurt cobain today um won best alternative album and then coolio won best rap performance with gangster's paradise which has an amazing cover by uh falling in reverse on the punk goes 90s volume 2 uh album check that out or the weird al parody um uh Amish Paradise. <laughs> oh, hold on. Before I go anymore, I just yeah. realized. Okay, so uh, 
our second Cobra Wars is coming out soon, right? Yes. So I just realized you are absolutely 100% correct. That is Weird Al in front of the... Oh, in on front the of Buddy the, Hall or yeah, uh, the Weezer video? Yeah, in front of the... Yeah, like... Would it it, look like him? Yeah, it's like, I don't know anybody who looks exactly like him except for him. But it's yeah, him. So he's a strange dude. You're right. You're right. Uh, I thought it was him. I had a hunch. Sorry, yeah. I just hit the microphone stand. Um. Yeah. So yeah, check out our, our uh, cover wars coming out soon. Yeah. Um, where we uh, that one was for Africa. Yes. Uh, between yes. Weezer and uh, Reliant K. So yeah. that's yeah, it's gonna be episode two, y'all. So episode two. Good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. Um, last uh, last this day in music we have today is uh, in 2008 drummer Buddy Miles who played with Jimi Hendrix, also someone we're gonna be talking about today. Um, in his last regular group band of gypsies died at age 60 in his home in austin texas um after struggling with a long-term illness uh born george allen miles in omaha nebraska buddy's nickname was a tribute to his idol jazz drummer buddy rich who is incredible man yeah i love you know i'm a drummer i love uh i love watching buddy rich solo videos he was just one of the greatest jazz drummers that's ever been um and there's actually a kid on instagram and i can't remember his name right now um but also idolizes buddy rich and mimics a lot of his solos and like he does uh he'll play along to it and like in the corner of the video he's got uh the actual video of the performance just so you can see that he's getting it perfect right right um but uh so uh Rich also played with the Delphonics, the Ink Spots, uh, Wilson Pickett, Electric Flag, Stevie Wonder, David Bowie, Muddy Waters, and Barry White. Mm. Uh, in the 1980s, he achieved a certain amount of notoriety in the U.S. as the vocalist on the celebrated Claymation California Raisins commercials. Mm. Man. You remember those? I do remember the California Raisins because I yeah. used to collect them in the, in, the, uh, in the McDonald's Happy Meals. Yeah, I had a few oh, of those. I had a lot of them. I, I almost had the whole collection, but I, I, I don't think they're worth anything now. Well, they might, uh, be, they might be. Hold yeah. on to them. You yeah. never know, man. Yeah, the Pokemon be. card sold for $200,000 the other day, so oh, you never know what you got. Which one? Pikachu? It was a holo, uh, the holographic uh, Charizard. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Charizard, Charizard, but he's... Yeah, one. right. Yeah. And I hit him up. I tagged him in the in a post. I was like, "Dude, I've got plenty of these things. If you ever want some, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me open. Let me know in the attic, still sealed up. Yeah, plenty of Pokemon cards. I'm willing to sell. Nice, nice. Well, I I just remembered one thing. So before we get started, I got I gotta I gotta ask you this question. Ask away. Did you see Metallica on Twitch? No, I did not. Okay, so okay, so get this. This is like an ongoing joke from now on the day, right? Okay. So apparently, Twitch had 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 uh, hosted like an award show or some kind of ceremony, right? So mm -hmm. they, they so they had Metallic open up for them by playing the song, um, oh, for whom the bell tolls, right? Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Classic song, right? They started yeah. playing the song, right? But then all of a sudden. Elevator music came on throughout throughout <laughs> their whole performance, so Twitch was afraid that they would get banned 
from playing a Metallica song, but Metallica was already playing the song live. <laughs> so that's all going. You should look it up, man. The, uh, oh, the, I can't wait to look that up. The, the song that they that they put over Metallica was like a, I I think it was a pop elevator ish kind of song. You know, one of them. Yeah, it's, it's weird, dude. You know. I love it. So I was like, oh, I love it. oh man, it's so it's, funny. Metallica get Metallica playing. You don't need anybody's. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, get yeah. it. Yeah, get out your system. You've been away, dude. That's what this. That's what this whole platform is made for. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand it, you know. And so and so yeah. that's going like on like ongoing meme or something now. So it's that's good. so great. Yeah. So today we are talking about the Twenty Seven Club, and it blew. Blake Bros leaves the mind wide open, y'all. That's I have I have not slept in five di- five days. Uh I have I have been stuck to my phone, uh to my TV, watching YouTube videos and uh gathering up as many conspiracy theories and uh mysteries surrounding some of these deaths that we're gonna talk about today. Yeah. Um well, so and, uh, ultimately it's just really sad. Just really sad. The the, the lives and the the accomplishments that these people had in such a young age right uh, and then to be taken so quickly uh it's just really sad but yeah. um so prepare to get bummed out <laughs> and uh and you're a uh you're a i guess we would call yourself a connoisseur of conspiracy theories because you and your co-host over at uh not religious does have a whole lot of them right yeah, we've done some conspiracy theory episodes on not religious, uh, breaking down uh, yeah. just a ton of things. And I know, like, uh, at the time we were doing them, it, it it's almost like now to be regarded as a conspiracy theorist puts a lot of puts a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah, we like the fun side of these conspiracy theories, or just the things that don't add up. That's just like mind blowing stuff, like J- about JFK or nine eleven or what have you. Um, and I know that those can get touchy and we don't want to do anything that's like offensive, but we do these episodes regarding like mysterious deaths and, um, you know, were they, was it suicide or were they murdered? Um, things like that. Uh, (laughs) so we've, we've talked about those before. And usually when something, we find a good one, we share videos with each other. Uh, one time me and Brian sat and watched a three hour YouTube video (laughs) about JFK, right? (laughs) Like. Is, and and loved every second of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, some of these things. I think a lot of my interest in some conspiracy theories started with Kurt Cobain's yeah. death. Yeah, um, just because it was mysterious. Like... There was a lot of people that were like, "Yeah, oh, obviously he, you know, he killed himself." And then there was oh. a lot of people that was like, mm, "I don't I, think so. He might have been murdered." I still think that he was hired. Uh, that that somebody was hired by Courtney Love to, to X amount. Because I, I think she was super jealous of him, and he was getting all his notoriety, and she wasn't getting anything with with her band Hole. But we yeah. will go. We, we will. We'll come back to that whenever we talk about. We'll certain, touch on that. Yeah, yeah correct. Absolutely. Band, so. Okay, so the Twenty Seventy Club is a is a list consistently mostly of popular musicians, artists, or actors who died in at the age of twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Although the claim of a uh, statistical spike for the death of, of a musician at age has been repeated, uh, d- d- repeatedly disproved by research. It remains a cultural phenomenon documenting the death of celebrities, 
some some noted for their higher risk lifestyles. The club has been report, repeatedly cited in music magazines, journals, and the daily press. Several exhibitions have been devoted to the idea, as well as novels, films, and stage plays. There have been many theories and speculations about the causes of such early deaths and their possible connections. Uh, four years before BMJ study was published, Cobain and Hendrix biographer Charles R. Cross wrote, uh, The number of the musicians who died at 27 is truly remarkable by any standard. Although humans die regularly at all ages, so there is a statistical spike for music who die at 27. Today, we are going to take a dive into uh, the most memorable uh, members of the 27 Club and how they led us and how they left us way too soon. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, and, and like you were saying, it's, it's not limited to musicians today. We're going to talk about musicians because this is a music podcast. Right. But, right. Um, you know, there's plenty of other actors and, uh, you know, uh, sports um, players that have died at the age of 27 mm-hmm. and um, it's it's just like it sticks out a little more just yeah. because there's a, a a myth behind there that the the age of 27 um, is cursed if you're uh, famous in any sort of way right um, I don't know how much of that I believe but it's right. interesting to talk about at least um, because there it's just a, a big coincidence yeah. And it's also and it's also very confusing because like like I just read in the intro, um, yeah, people do die every day, but it's it's also a very kind of a theory conspiracy theory that right. that famous very very famous musicians die at twenty seven. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a, like a conspiracy theory, I guess. Who was? And it's a club you don't want to be a part of. No, no, <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> famous at like twenty eight. So, yeah, if you yeah. made it to 28, then you, you're good. But, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you're pretty much, yeah. So, um, so for, for, uh, uh, if anybody is listening to this podcast, please continue listening and then go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash when words for music speaks, as we are going to, uh, give you, uh, some pictures of the artists who died yeah. on at 27. So, let me, yes. Right. Yeah, I thought that would be a, a, a nice little uh, touch to the uh, to the YouTube channel to kind of show these people. If you're not, if you are somehow not familiar, I think for the most part, everyone's heard about these uh, seven musicians we're going to talk about today. If you didn't know who they were, though, then maybe uh, seeing them just would kind of bum you out a little more because you can put a face to the name. Um, right. Right. Uh, certainly a majority of these everyone is familiar with they have a good idea about what they look like um but uh some of them are not as well known but still died at the age of 27 and uh are notorious in their own way right so there is the man that started all the blues yeah it's robert johnson robert johnson yeah do you want me to start this one sure yeah please do yeah so uh first one we're going to talk about is Robert Johnson. Uh, Robert Leroy Johnson was an American blues guitarist, singer, and songwriter. 
His landmark recordings in 1936 and 1937 display a combination of singing, guitar skills, and songwriting talent that has influenced later generations of musicians. He is now recognized as a master of the blues, particularly the Delta blues style. Yes. Um, you know, he, he kind of uh, pioneered the blues movement um, and uh, was one of the most uh, recognizable um, uh, blues musicians that's ever been. Right. Um, but at the same time, he's still probably the least known of the 27 Club, uh, undeniably the most enigmatic one, certainly due to the fact that we have little information about the man. Um, Robert Johnson was one of the first, uh, one of the first, one of the series of cursed artists who died at the age of 27, having begun uh, to compose only three years before his death. So a very short musical career. Um, he recorded in all, uh, in all in all for uh, 29 songs in two sessions, mm. uh, which were held respectively uh, in November of 1936 and June of 1937. So he had his stuff together. He went to the studio and just blah, 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 yeah. knocked it out. Right. Um, he died yeah. in mysterious circumstances. Uh, no formal autopsy was done, as unfortunately, uh, a, a dead black man found by the side of the road uh, near a farm was just not important to right. uh, the yeah. police and to those around. This one's uh, way back when y'all, so yeah. Yeah. Um, a pro forma examination uh, was done to file the death certificate and no immediate cause of death was determined. It is mm. likely he had congenital syph uh, syphilis um, and it was suspected later by medical professionals that it may have been a contributing factor in his death. However, 30 years of local legend and oral tradition had, like the rest of his life history, uh, oh. built a legend which has filled in gaps uh, in the scant his, uh, historical record. Um, this is, this is, uh, this one's interesting. The, the story of Robert Johnson is very interesting, uh, even though we have such little information about him. Right. Um, the, the, the conspiracies surrounding his death are, interesting to dive into i wouldn't say fun interesting yeah because yeah, um, so according, it's, it's never yeah. fun when people die you know <laughs> right yeah never fun never no, fun no. um according to one theory johnson was murdered by the jealous husband of a woman whom he had flirted with um in an account by the blues musician sunny boy williamson johnson had been flirting with a married woman at a dance and she gave him a bottle of whiskey poisoned by her husband when johnson took the bottle williamson knocked it out of his hand uh, admonishing him to never drink from a bottle that he had not personally seen opened. Johnson replied, don't ever knock a bottle out of my hand. Soon after, he was offered another poison bottle and accepted it. Johnson is reported to have begun feeling ill the evening after and had uh, helped back to his room in the early morning hours, and over the next three days, his condition steadily worsened. Witnesses reported that he died in a convulsive state of severe pain. Mm. What a way to go. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about like when they when they die, they want it to, to be peaceful in their sleep, whatever. Right. Um, but I, I can't imagine spending several days just in pain, probably wanting to die right. just because you're you don't want to feel that way anymore. Right. Um, but uh several theories are so advanced, uh poisoning, syphilis, pneumonia, or all three together. Versions of his death were as likely as each other, considering the lack of information on this legendary blues man's life. But it wasn't lack of looking out. On his death certificate, you can read the words, no doctor. Uh, um, 
legend has it that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil. This is where we get into really interesting territory. Yes. Um, in exchange for success as a musician. Um, and I found a little blog post from cbvinylrecordart.com uh, kind of summarizing the story of Robert Johnson selling his soul to Satan. Um, so uh, it says, uh, it all began on a full moon. It was hot, too hot. As he was walking near Clarksdale, Mississippi, the young Johnson got lost at the intersection of 49 and 61. Nothing on the horizon, no more to the left than to the right. Not knowing which road to take with the oppressive heat, he decided to take a nap along the road. When he began to fall into a deep sleep, a cool breeze came to cherish him. Then the wind became stronger. The sky darkened, and the atmosphere charged itself with electricity. It was an unusual weather for the season. Johnson stood up and looked at either side of the intersection. He eventually distinguished a shadow floating in the air. Excuse me. As it moved towards him, his eyes opened wider. Without any noise, nor a word, the shadow bit over and seized Robert's guitar, granted it, and played some divine notes before disappearing, uh, leaving his guitar as well as its talent at the top of his fingers. The pact was sealed. Robert had just sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his dexterity to play the guitar. Mm. Weird, dude. Oh, my God. It. That, that, that like, literally, that just gave me, like, like, like chills, dude. You got chills now? Yeah. It's yeah, even a Halloween episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, some other theories have come up surrounding his death. Uh, sorry to keep hitting this microphone. Uh, other other theories have uh, come up surrounding his death. Um, but, you know, we've, we've talked about that. It, it could have been syphilis. It could have been a number of things. Um, especially at that time, you didn't have a lot of medical records to show. You didn't have a lot of examinations that were done. So it's just more speculation than anything. Right. Um, but anyway, Robert Johnson has become a legend and a great source of inspiration for artists such as Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, uh, Bob Dylan, Brian Jones, who we're going to talk about in a minute, Keith Richards, um, and even Eric Clapton. Mm. Uh, so keep in mind what kind of legacy his history has left us with. Uh, Robert Johnson definitely went down as the uh, pioneer for the blues yeah. um, and uh, really left his mark in the world of a, of a, aspiring guitarist i'd say have you been to um clarksville mississippi i have not I've, I've actually never been to mississippi i would love to go one day well that's where the lore of the legend came from it's uh you know he sold his soul on the crossroads in clarksville mississippi right. and i've been there because my my huh. grandmother Beatty um lived there for ever in a day you know ever since she really? was born i, I think I think that's the only place where she ever lived, but I've been okay. there and it's and it's really kind of eerie, you know. I mean, the, the I I probably nothing probably nothing ever happened there, but it's the yeah. fact that you hear this and you like you think, oh my god, it it happened right here, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of weird, yeah. It's kind of weird, yeah, yeah. So good stuff, good stuff. Um, I I I I can't really say if it's true or not, but the, but the um. But the murder, but but well, with the the thing that his his girlfriend murdering him sound a bit more realistic to me. Yeah, but that's, that's a bit you know, more likely. Yeah, but who who loves a good conspiracy theory? This guy, I do right there. <laughs> I love it. Yes. yes, give me all the all the juicy details that no one wants to talk about. Yeah, I know, right? All right. <laughs> so we got Mister Jimi Hendrix. Yes, sir. Man, this guy's great, right? 
Okay, yeah. so Jimmy Marshall Hendrix, Jim, Jimmy, uh, born Johnny Allen Hendrix. I didn't. I, I, I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Was an American musician, singer, and songwriter. Although his mainstream career only spanned four years, he is widely regarded as one of the most influential electric guitarists in the in the history of popular music, and one of the most celebrated musicians of the 20th century. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame describes him as arguably the greatest instrumentalist in the history of rock music. Yeah. In the early hours of Friday, uh, September 18th, 1970, uh, while staying with his girlfriend in London, Jamie takes some sleeping pills. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, so, no, so nobody knew for sure how many pills he swallowed or whether he understood what he was taking. Uh, the drug was uh, Vesperax, V-E-S-P-A-R-A-X, for anybody who can yeah. uh, pronounce which I can't. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, a strong barber barbiturate or something okay yeah Um, very very strong sleeping pill yes half the tablet was enough to put a man to sleep for eight hours jimmy half pill half a pill yeah so jimmy may have swallowed as many as nine oh my god yeah uh he also he had also began drinking uh this was so reckless because uh it was a character well, I mean, when you're out in a you know crowd, you gotta be you gotta stay true to the character, right? That rock and roll lifestyle. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. During his years on the road, uh, Jamie had got into the habit of using drugs and indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie would take tangibles of stuff, not even knowing what it was. Uh, his friend, his friend, during how he has said, yeah, uh, Cor- Corona uh, Gavin Thorsten ordered. A post-mortem examination, which was performed on September 21st by Professor by Professor Robert Donald Tier, a forensic uh, pathologist. Uh, Thurston completed an, the the inquest on September 28th and concluded that Hendrix aspirated to his own vomit and died of asphyxiated death. Uh, mm-hmm. While intoxicated with Barbara Woods, it's, it's that pill that, that he took nine of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, citing insufficient evidence of the circumstances, he declared on an open verdict. Uh, uh, Danny Mann later revealed that Hendrix had taken nine of his prescribed Vesperax sleeping tablets, 18 times the recommended dosage. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. That's enough to kill you over several times, I believe. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. if half of one tablet is enough to put you to sleep for eight, eight hours. Out, yeah, and you take nine of them. That's just crazy. Yeah. Very but, sad. But nonetheless, the story of Jimi Hendrix always bums me out really bad. Um, and then when I listen to his music, like as much as I love it, it makes me very sad. Yeah. Uh, any of these musicians we're talking about today, listening to their songs, knowing that their lives were taken uh, at such young at such a young age but right. uh, again the ability to do so much in, sh- in such a short amount of time that you were given on earth yeah. um and the influence that comes from all these musicians we're talking about today is just uh it's incredible yeah uh access board of love and our experience is one of my is two of my favorite albums from him because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he he did a 
he did an, an amazing, amazing uh, version of Star State Bengal Banner at Woodstock. Yeah. I think it's oh, 80, yeah. 89, no, 84, 84 Woodstock. The, the first Woodstock for anyone who, who knew yeah, when it, it was like, came out. Uh, uh, I think it might have been in the 70s. Yeah, 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 like yeah. But uh, his music is so well known now. I mean, if, if anybody watches wrestling majorly WCW uh, you don't know that Hulk Hogan came out with this with this uh, um, song Voodoo Child when he, when he when he was coming out with the NWO um, so his music yeah. is very is very pivotal to uh, you know music history yeah so and what, and, and what am I okay yeah yes. yeah what's well, like 69 right yeah. Yeah. So he did an amazing cover of um, or version. I'm essentially cover because, uh, yeah, version of a uh, Star Spangled Star- Banner. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's it's amazing. Um, and then like the incorporation of like, uh, kind of making it sound. I mean, this is in the midst of uh, you know, the big hippie movement and uh, yeah, uh, war and peace and love and things. Right. Um, but like uh, things he did on his guitar. Uh, mimicking the sound of like bombs going off and like ambulances and things like that. It's just mm-hmm. oh man, it gives me it gives me chills listening to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Cool. Um, so next on our list, we're going to talk about Janis Joplin. Um, uh, my mom was a huge Janis Joplin fan. Mm. Uh, yeah, very big Janis Joplin fan. Allie is too. She loves. Janis Joplin. Yeah. Uh, so Janis Lynn Joplin was an American singer-songwriter who sang rock, soul, and blues music. Uh, one of the most successful and widely known rock stars of her era, she was noted for her powerful mezzo-soprano vocals and electric stage presence. Very distinguishable voice. You know exactly who you're talking about yeah. uh, whenever you hear uh, take another little piece of my heart and you know, and you're just like that raspy voice that she has. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so she appeared at the Woodstock Festival uh, and the Festival Express train tour. Uh, five singles by Joplin reached the Billboard Hot 100, including a cover of the Chris Christopherson song "Me and Bobby McGee," um, which song. reached number one in, ni- in March of 1971. Her most popular songs included her cover versions of "Piece of My Heart," "Cry Baby," "Down on Me," "Ball and Chain," and "Summertime," um, and her original song "Mercedes Benz." So she did a lot of covers, but she mm-hmm. reached such great success uh just making those songs her own because i didn't know that they were anybody else's songs right but um i remember watching a mercedes-benz commercial with her song mercedes-benz so oh yeah you know, yeah yeah faded to the t you know so how fitting yeah um it is certainly easily to imagine that janice uh feeling lonely as she uh returned to her hotel, her hotel room in hollywood after her last recording session um, as she sang in A Woman Left Lonely, one of her last songs that she ever sung, um, she knew that her boyfriend was taking her for granted. At around 1 a.m. on October 4th, 1970, she got uh, on her uh, she got her heroin kit out um, and injected a vein in her left arm. Then she went to the cigarette machine in the hotel lobby, returning to her room with a pack. Uh, she closed the door, started to undress, and reached to put her pocket on the nightstand. As she did, she uh, she kneeled over, hitting her face on the table as she fell to the floor, where she was found dead the next day. Mm. Very sad. Yeah. Alcohol was present in the room. Uh, newspapers reported that no drugs or paraphernalia were present. 
Um, according to a 1983 book authored by Joseph Demona and Los Angeles County Coroner Thomas Noguchi, uh, evidence of, of narcotics was removed from the scene by a friend of Janis Joplin and later put back after the person realized that an autopsy was going to reveal that narcotics were in her system. The book adds that prior to Joplin's death, Noguchi had invested, uh, in, excuse me, investigated other fatal drug overdoses in Los Angeles where friends believed they were doing favors for, uh, for uh, decadence by removing evidence of narcotics. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, then they were uh, they thought things over and returned to put back the evidence. So a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Uh, take the drugs out. Oh, just just kidding. Put it back. Noguchi uh -huh. um, <laughs> performed an autopsy on Joplin and determined the cause of her death to be a heroin overdose, possibly compounded by alcohol. Um, never a good mixture. Uh -uh. Uh, cook, I, I don't know from personal experience, but well, I can yeah. imagine it probably doesn't go well together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Cook believed it's sorry, it's very sad. Janice Joplin, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Cook believed the singer had been given heroin that was much more potent than she uh, and other L.A. heroin uh, users had received on previous occasions, and was uh, indicated um, by overdoses of several of her dealers' other customers during the same weekend. Mm. And then her rule, yeah, her, and then her uh, death was ruled accidental. Excuse me. Uh, Joplin was cremated at Pierce Brothers Westwood Village Memorial Park and Mortuary. What a terrible long name for a, a morgue uh, in Los Angeles. And her ashes were, this is cool, her ashes were scattered from a plane into the Pacific Ocean, giving us a little piece of her heart in the ocean. Hmm. If you want to go swim in the ocean. <laughs> It's probably a little bit of Janis Joplin out there. Probably. I don't mean to make light of that. No, no. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's extremely sad. I just thought it was a nice tie-in to the song, Peace mm. of Mind. <laughs> sorry. Oh, so you made it. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Uh, it is my fault. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, with, with, uh, with all these deaths, it's, 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 it's somewhat okay to make, like, you gotta have fun with. Like, you gotta make light of it eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, you should. We should celebrate your life too. So it's you know, it's all. Yeah. It all comes together. You and know? that's why. Yeah, and we want to we want to talk about their success as musicians right. to go along with their 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 untimely deaths. Mm -hmm, right. Um, because, uh, like I said, they're very influential at such at such a young they age. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this next one we're gonna talk about though, is the craziest one to me. Um, the story of Brian Jones blows my mind, uh, and the the mystery surrounding his death. So, let me see if I can get the wrong point on just a minute. Yeah, actually, uh, why don't you take this and go ahead and start it, and I'll uh, pull up the picture. So okay, you. sure. Yeah. Um, so Brian Jones, uh, or Lewis Brian Hopkins Jones, is his uh birthday. Whose birthday is today? Yay! Uh, happy March birthday. 1st. Um, was an English musician and composer best known as the, like, like I told James before we started doing this episode, um, you know, I didn't know we were going to, this episode was going to premiere on March 1st and in doing research, I was like, holy crap. One of the guys we're talking about today, his birthday is actually March 1st. So, um, but anyway, uh, he was an English musician and composer best known as the founder and original leader of the Rolling Stones. Didn't know that. Um, initially a slide guitarist, Jones went on to play a wide variety of instruments on Rolling Stones recordings and in concerts, including rhythm guitar, lead guitar, the sitar, the dulcimer, 
various keyboard instruments, such as piano, Meltron, uh, marimba, wind instruments, such as the harmonica, the recorder, saxophone, as well as drums, vocals, and numerous other things. So Brian Jones put a lot into those early Rolling Stones albums. And I had no idea who the guy was. Um, after he founded the Rolling Stones as a British blues outfit in 1962 and gave the band its name, uh, Jones' fellow band members, Keith Richards, yep, there you go, there he is, uh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger began to take over the band's musical direction, especially after they became a successful songwriting team. When Jones developed alcohol and drug problems, his performance in the studio became increasingly unreliable, leading to a diminished role within the band he had founded. In June of 1969, the Rolling Stones dismissed Jones, uh, and then guitarist Mick Taylor took his place in the group. This is where it gets interesting. Mm. Um, so Jones's death at his country home in England in 1969 seems to be the result of his foolish behavior. To mix alcohol and drugs and then dive into the swimming pool, probably not a good idea. And I've never done that, but I would... <laughs> assume that's a bad idea well see um, that, that that seems to be like a like a major reoccurrence is, is drugs and alcohol together you know because when you live the rock and roll life it's yeah sex drugs and rock, you know so I'm, i mean yeah yeah it's their mantra yeah yeah um but yeah to uh to mix alcohol and drugs and then dive into the swimming pool was to swim directly into the arms of death um, mm. As clear as it seems, the death of Brian Jones had become one of the most persistent mysteries of rock and roll, with many people questioning the official version of what happened. Even members of the Rolling Stones have expressed doubts. Um, quote, and still the mystery of his death hasn't been solved, said Keith Richards. I don't know what happened, but there was some nasty business going on. Everyone, prepare yourself. Strap in, sit tight, bear with me. We're going to talk about the death of Brian Jones uh, kind of in length here um but uh just bear with us it's a very very interesting story uh so coroner said that the coroner said that his heart and liver were enlarged due to alcohol and drug consumption but there are some theories that brian jones was actually murdered oh, yeah. uh the 1994 book uh brian jones who killed christopher robin was made best known um made the best known earliest accusation of murder writer Terry Rawlings specifically accused Frank Thorogood, a contractor who was at Jones's house that night. Um, tensions between Jones and his employee apparently turned violent during a shared swim, Rawlings alleged. Uh, Paint It Black, The Murder of Brian Jones by Jeffrey Giuliano uh, also reported a deathbed admission from Thorogood to the Rolling Stones' former road manager Tom Keylock in 1993. This is what he said. It was me that did Brian. I just finally snapped, Rawlings and Thorogood admitted. Sussex uh, police declined to reopen the investigation at the time, only offering to review Jones' death after a treasure trove of internal documents was released in 2009. New information and new allegations continued to trickle out. Janet Lawson, Keelock's girlfriend, uh, Keelock's girlfriend, excuse me, told journalist Scott Jones that he saw Jones and Thorogood in the pool and that Thorogood later re-entered the house shaking badly. Quote, when I saw Brian on the bottom of the pool and was and he was calling for help, Frank initially did nothing. So some are already some uh speculation there about was it drugs and alcohol or did somebody actually take him out and made it look like an accident? Um a 2004 update of who killed Christopher Robin uh, was said to have proved the late Keylock's pre uh, presence at the party. 
via a videotaped interview. For Rawlings, that decisively established a conspiracy. Keylock had reportedly long asserted that he was away from the house on an errand for Keith Richards. Jones was, quote, definitely murdered and there was a cover-up, um, she told Mojo back then. Uh, it was a, it's not a, crock, a crackpot theory, it's what happened. Bill Wyman said after his death, uh, he formed the band, he chose the members, he named the band, he chose, he, he chose the music that we played. He got us gigs, he was very influential, very important, and then slowly lost it. Highly intelligent, and just kind of wasted it and blew it all away. So, sad ending to his life, um, although we probably wouldn't have the Rolling Stones as we know them um, had it not been for Brian Jones. I, I had no idea that he was one of the original members. He started the band, he named the man, he wrote all the original songs, and hmm. just uh, unfortunately, his uh, his demons got the best of him. Yeah. And hmm. uh, you know, his life was taken at such a young age. Mm, that's sad. And yeah. that's when you summon, you know? Yeah, me so. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know? So that's, that's yeah. very, very sad. So, yeah. Uh, Mr. Jim Morrison. Yeah, there he is. What a handsome devil. He is, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, so James Douglas Morrison was an American singer, songwriter, and poet. Uh, who was the lead vocalist of the rock band The Doors? Great band. Mm. Great band. Due to his wild personality, uh, poetic lyrics, the distinctive voice, uh, unpredictable and erratic performances, and the dramatic circumstances of surrounding her his uh, his life and early death, uh, Morrison is regarded by the music critics as and fans as one of the most iconic. An influential frontman in rock history. Since his death, uh, his fame has endured as one of the popular culture's most rebellious and oft-displayed icons, all representing the generation gap and youth counterculture. The cult of Jim Morrison uh, grew, uh, I can't pronounce that word. Posthumously. There you go. Uh, taken yeah. off in 1979 with Francis Ford Coppola used the end, the song, in the mm-hmm. soundtrack for Apocalypse Now. Great, great movie. Mm-hmm. A part of the part of the cult of Jim was the consciousness of him dying at the same age as Brian, Jimmy, and Janice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 27 link helped reinforce the idea. Uh, Jim had been special, uh, that that his death was faded, uh, that there was something something weird going on. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that Jim's girlfriend had had died the same at the same age underlined the weirdness of the of the coincidence. Uh, the legend was familiar to everybody with with interest in pop, popular music by 1994. When Kurt Cobain decided to join the club, I don't think he decided. Yeah, he didn't quite decide, but uh, and we'll and we'll get into Kurt Cobain next. That's yeah. another interesting one. Right, according to his death certificate, Morrison, who was famously found dead in the bathtub of of his parents' apartment at the age of twenty-seven, died from natural causes. But according to the end, Jim Morrison, a book by Sam Burnett. A French-born former New York Times journalist, club 
club manager, and friend of Morrison, the rock star died of a massive heroin overdose in the bathroom of the rock and roll circus club in Paris. Uh, in, in Paris's left bank and was moved to the tub as part of a astonishing cover-up uh, meant to def- deflect blame from the posse of uh, drug dealers Morrison patronized. So that's kind of weird because it sounds like me reading this. Mm-hmm. His his death was covered up, right? Is, yeah. is that what I'm getting? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 Another mystery surrounding like, the death of a famous musician. Yeah. So. And uh, drugs are involved yet again. Yeah. Yeah. And this time it was heroin of all things, you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I know the. Um, uh, Nikki Six used heroin back in the, you know, back in the day and died, and died twice. He came back. Though. Twice. Yeah, came I mean, back. yeah, yeah, I mean, it's true because, um, because he has a book called, uh, I, 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 the, you know, The Life of Nikki Six. I, I, I'm not sure what the book is, but yeah, but in the book, it's, uh, yeah, he died twice or something. And it's, it, yeah. it, and it's featured in the, uh, The Dirt, the movie, The Dirt, you know, with the uh, Molly. Oh, I'm still gonna watch that. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Oh, man, you gotta go see it, man. It's on Netflix, yeah, man. Gotta watch it, especially knowing that Machine Gun Kelly played uh, Tom uh, Tommy Lee yeah. in that movie. Right, yeah. We're yeah, really just... getting into some Machine Gun Kelly lately. <laughs> right. Uh, he's bringing Pop Pump back. Corey Taylor's not a fan of him. <sighs> he's not, just but saying, you know, it's not a fan of Corey anybody. Taylor's not yeah. a fan of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Except for us, right? He's a fan of us. Except for us, maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe. Corey Taylor uh, is going to be on the show next week, so. Cool. <laughs> no, everybody, I wish that was true, but it's not. So I, I mean, wish. Oh, well, my God. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is very uh, uh, fascinating because uh, one one source says that he, he, he died of natural causes. The other yeah. died, said that he died because of a massive heroin. And the other died, uh, other thing, he, he said that he was died due to drug dealers and then he covered up by putting him in the bathroom tub which right. doesn't make sense i mean those those three theories just i mean yeah knowing and maybe in time more more information will come out regarding yeah. jim morrison's death but um there was a podcast uh there was a podcast called disgraceland it's still around but i think it's only available on amazon okay. now i think it, it's an ex, it, an exclusive you can't listen to it on spotify or apple Podcasts anymore unfortunately unless you get clips of it right um but uh there was a episode which actually the guy that does that does that podcast has another music podcast called the 27 club where he goes into major detail and storytelling about these musicians that we're talking about today so go check that out probably okay. also only available on amazon now. yeah yeah um but he did a um, he did an episode about the theory that Jim Morrison was actually the Zodiac killer. Ooh, and, I've heard of the, right, the Zodiac killer. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the Zodiac killer, um, there's a great movie on Netflix called Zodiac that stars Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Pre-Avengers. Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal, also yeah. in the MCU. I'm sorry, I'm nerding out. I got my Black Panther on today. <laughs> we just watched WandaVision. I'm like consumed with comic books right now. Sorry, I had to get in there somewhere. There we go. I just the um, fine. But uh <laughs> great. But uh so this uh podcast all my rambling. I'm sorry, I'm getting back to it. There was a podcast called Disgrace Land about the the lives of rock stars and like their toxic lifestyles and 
maybe infamous things that happened with them. Um, but uh, there was this episode where his theory was that Jim Morrison was the Zodiac killer. And I listened to the whole thing and I was like, holy crap, Jim Morrison was the Zodiac killer. Um, and then at the end of the episode, it was an April Fool's joke because I didn't pay attention to oh, the fact no. that it was released on April Fool's and he got me and I was like, I can't believe I fell for that crap. Yeah. But, um, yeah, really, really interesting. I don't know if that episode is still available online anywhere, but I think if you just look up Jim Morrison was the Zodiac killer, you could probably find it. The, again, the podcast is called Disgraceland. Um, and, uh, it's really, really interesting. I wish it was available on all platforms. Now I think I would have to get some type of subscription to Amazon or something to be able to listen to it, which right. yeah. I'm not going to do, but anyway, yeah. yeah, man, um, you want me to, uh, take this next one here, please. Um, I am excited to talk about this one because I actually read one of these books that we're going to talk about, uh, surrounding Kurt Cobain. Mm. Um, and what a great picture. picture that, and what a great picture that is. You know, yeah, it is. It's a very just, fitting it's very picture. Fi- it's very fitting to, for for. I know. Uh, I know. Kurt Cobain had his demons, but he was truly a beautiful soul deep down. Yeah. Um, and uh, just struggled a lot with uh, with a lot of things. Uh, and one of the things we talk about on this podcast is struggling with depression. Uh, the how music can help that. Unfortunately, in in Kurt Cobain's case, um, it didn't help too much it kind of hindered uh his mental state but um you know doesn't mean it doesn't get better at some point right right um but uh kurt donald cobain was an american singer songwriter and musician uh best known as the guitarist primary songwriter and frontman of the rock band nirvana uh though his angst fueled songwriting and anti-establishment persona uh cobain's compositions uh widened the thematic conventions of mainstream rock music um, he was often heralded as a spokesman of Generation X and is considered to be one of the most influential musicians in the history of alternative rock. Yes, he is. Very yeah, much so. For sure. Yeah. Um, Kurt Cobain's body was discovered by an electrician on Friday, April 18th in 1994. Um, excuse me, April 8th of 1994. Uh, the answer to the question posed by the authors of Who Killed Kurt Cobain? It is simple. Kurt Cobain killed himself, as everyone mm. uh, has come to believe um he did so with sudden self-inflicted violence leaving written evidence of his state of mind uh the very infamous uh suicide note that was out there which i have all kind of theories about um kurt's uh uh kurt's substance abuse uh counselor remembered how worried the musician had been about losing his home in a lawsuit uh quote suicidal people tend to want to make a excuse me want to make a statement uh, Neil Stimson said, um, I just kind of felt like he killed himself in the house as if to say, you're not going to take my house no matter what. Um, again, a lot, I got a lot of theories about Cobain's uh, suicide yeah. um, in the, the suicide note that's out there. Um, but anyway, apart from a minor amount of blood coming out of Kurt Cobain's ear, the electrician reported seeing no visible signs of trauma and initially believed that Kurt Cobain was asleep until he saw the shotgun uh, pointing at his chin. A suicide note was found addressed to Cobain's childhood imaginary friend, Boda, um, that stated that Cobain had not, quote, felt the excitement of listening to as well as creating music along with really writing for too many years now. A high concentration of heroin and traces of, I'm going to mess this word up, diazepam? Yep, that's it. Were also found in his body. 
Uh, Cobain's body had been lying there for days, unfortunately. Uh, the coroner's report estimated that Cobain has uh, to have died on April 5th, 1994, at the age of 27. I want to talk about the amount of drugs that was in Kurt Cobain's system uh, during the autopsy. Huh? Um, from what I've heard by medical experts, this is where I've, I've theorized that he didn't kill himself he probably had enough drugs in his system to kill him over probably three or four times is what I've heard. Right. How he would have managed to shoot himself with a shotgun, um, to, and be that high. He probably would have already been dead just from the drugs in his system. Okay. I don't know. Again, I'm not an expert. I know not every situation is the same. Um, but, uh, I always thought that was a very interesting theory about the amount of drugs that was in his body. Yeah. Um, yeah, because when you take but, a, a massive amount of drugs, you feel don't like. Well, some drugs put you to sleep. Some drugs are like right. it's like a it's like a muscle relaxer, and you don't want right. to do anything, you know. Right. Well, uh, uh, this book that we're going to talk about, uh, "Love and Death: The Murder of Kurt Cobain." I've actually read this book. I read this book when I was in high school, and I actually did a book report on it. Oh, nice. um, I went to a very strict Christian school, but like my English teacher was really cool. Yeah. And I told her, it was like, I, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not, I'm not doing a Nirvana biography. I, I want to talk about the, the mystery surrounding his death. Yeah. Um, but uh, so love and death, the murder of Kurt Cobain published by Simon, uh, Simon and Schuster is a collaborative investigative journalism book written by Ian Halperlin um and max wallace supporting to show that nirvana lead singer and guitarist kurt cobain believed to have committed suicide was in fact murdered possibly at the behest of his wife courtney love um singer of the band hole uh-huh. um, it is a follow-up to the author's 1998 bestseller in the same subject who killed kurt cobain that we talked about um the book is based on 30 hours of audio tapes uh conversations exclusively obtained by the authors between Courtney Love's private investigator, Tom Grant, uh, and her and Cobain's uh, entertainment attorney, Rosemary Carroll, who both dispute the official finding of suicide and believe Cobain was in fact murdered. Rosemary Carroll says on the tapes that she believes the suicide note was forged or traced. They they did a whole breakdown of uh, his uh, handwriting and comparing them to the suicide note, and it was like, mm, I don't know if this all matches up. Yeah. There's something really weird going on with the last few lines of the note. Um, but anyway, uh, so the authors also interviewed uh, Kurt Cobain's grandfather, who believes Kurt was the victim of foul play, and that Courtney's father, um, who also believes that he was murdered. Uh, in, the, uh, in the book... Um, a prominent forensic pathologist examines the known autopsy evidence and claims that the official suicide scenario was impossible. Uh, she claims that there is compelling and authoritative, uh, authoritative evidence that Kurt Cobain was murdered. Again, too many drugs in this system to kill himself. Yeah. Um, suicide doesn't add up. Um, there's a lot of theories surrounding Courtney Love that maybe she had him killed. Uh, if and, you want to get into that, I'm sure there's plenty of videos and uh, the, the book that we just talked about. Um, but uh, it's it's really interesting to dive into. And didn't you just read that that Courtney is Courtney Love's dad? That, her think own that, father that, thinks that Kurt Cobain was murdered. Come on, man, you got it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Dave Grohl, uh, if, if you don't know Dave Grohl, leader, lead singer of the Foo Fighters, was the drummer for Nirvana. Uh, Dave Grohl said that the news of Kurt Cobain's death was probably the wor- quote, probably the worst thing that has happened to me in my life. I remember the day after um, after that, I woke up and I was heartbroken that he was gone. I just felt like, okay, so I get to wake up today and have another day and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Grohl believed that, uh, or excuse me, Dave Grohl believed that he knew Cobain would die at an early age, saying that, quote, sometimes you just can't save someone from themselves. And in some ways, you kind of prepare yourself emotionally for that to be a reality. Um, I don't know where Dave Grohl stands with the uh, the whole theory that maybe he was murdered and not, and maybe he didn't commit suicide. Um, Dave Grohl really doesn't talk about Kurt Cobain a lot. Um, they have no interest in doing any type of reunion, even though you know uh, uh, Chris Novoselic is still alive, played bass in there, and also. Um, his name escapes me. Pat Smear. Yeah. Yeah. It's Pat. Yes, Pat Smear. You're right. Is it Pat Smear? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah, played, right. uh, he's also in the Foo Fighters, yeah. plays guitar in the Foo Fighters, um, played with the Nirvana right at the end there. Um, he is notoriously playing guitar on. Oh, wait a minute. Club. If if my mom if if my mom if my mind serves me correct they did it they did the Nirvana reunion I think they did it with uh, Pat Pat Benatar or Joan Jett I think it's one of them. Uh, oh, did they? I didn't know that. I I, I want to say I, I like like I'm seventy seven percent correct, but yeah. I wanted to look look that up later on. Tell you next. Yeah. Week. Yeah. Um. It's uh. Yeah, they. From what I've heard, they still get together and they they jam Nirvana songs. Right, um, that's private. great. That's great. You know, yeah. they. I'm sure they all get. Excuse me, they get together at Dave Grohl's house or something. Yeah, probably just to keep that going, just to <clears throat> reminisce on you know what happened with with Kurt and like the success that they got from Nirvana. Right, um, and I still think but, to this day, my favorite unplugged session is the Nirvana. Hell, I even yeah. got the I, I even got the album of the whole thing, you know. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah, and, and and like we said before, you'll get to see Dave with the turtleneck on, <laughs> which is yeah, which is very which is very too. odd but funny too. But uh, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, that 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 session um is my favorite ever of the Unplugged yeah. series that they ever yeah, did. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So our last, and, yeah, yeah. So our last and final um, uh, person who tragically passed was Amy Amy Winehouse. Yeah. So Amy Jade Winehouse was an English singer and songwriter. Uh, she's known for her deep, ex- expressive. Um, cut, I can't pronounce that. Dude, help me out. Contralto. Uh, Contralto. Contralto vocals and mm-hmm. her electric mu- uh, mix of musical genres, including soul, rhythm, and blues, and jazz. Uh, at the 50, 50th Grammy Awards in, tw- in 2008, she won five awards, uh, tying the record to the most wins by a female artist in a single night, and becoming the first British woman uh, to win five Grammys including three of the uh, General Field Big Four Grammy Awards, Best New Artist, 
Record of the Year and Song of the Year for Rehab. Great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, is a great song. Uh, as well as Best Pop Vocal Album. Okay, good. So, so, yeah. so those are all the awards she won. Yeah. Uh, so what Amy's state of mind was when she took her last go of vodka at home in, in London in July 2011, it's impossible to know. Uh, she had uh, said that there were things she still wanted to do with her life, but, but she seemed unable to take action. Uh, despite her, despite being a remarkably honest and open, and open person in many respects, uh, she had always been cagey about her inner life. Observing Amy as we have, uh, there is a strong sense that she was sick of her career. Uh, like Hendrix and Cobain, uh, she had became a prisoner of her own image. And as with Janis Joplin, her her man was glaringly absent at the end. Yeah. So were so were other people. Uh, Amy had depended on, in many cases, is exhausted. Yeah. Um, One house's bodyguard said that he had arrived at her residence three days before her death, and she and felt like she had been somewhat intoxicated. Uh, he observed moderate drinking over the next few days. Uh, he said that he had been, she had been laughing, listening to music, and watching TV at 2 a.m. Uh, on the day of her death. Yeah. At, t- at 10 a.m. BST on t- on 23, I guess that's a I guess that's a channel news channel. Um, he on on July 2011th he observed her lying on on her bed. And tried unsuccessfully to wake her. Uh, this did not raise much suspicion because she usually slept late after a long night, a, a long night out. Uh, according to the bodyguard, uh, shortly after 3 p.m., he checked on her again and observed her lying in the same position as before, uh, leading to her further check, in which he concluded that she was not breathing and had no pulse. He said he said he called emergency services at 3:54 p.m. Uh, two ambulances were called to Winehouse's home in Camden, London. Uh, Winehouse was pronounced dead at the scene of the age of 27. Uh, shortly after, the Metropolitan Police uh, came co- confirmed that she had died. A coroner uh, inquest researched that the verdict of misadventure. Uh, I'm sorry. A coroner, a coroner inquest reached a verdict of misadventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the report, the report released on 26 October 2011, uh, explained that Winehouse's blood alcohol content was 416 milligrams per 100 milliliters at the time of her death. That's more than five times the legal drink, drink and drive limit. Yeah. Uh, according to the coroner, the uh, unintended un- in- coincidence of such politically potentially fatal uh, levels where where was her sudden death on September on on December seventeenth twenty 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 twelve I'm sorry I'm getting ahead of myself you're good <laughs> <laughs> um, British authorities reopened the probe of Winehouse's death on January eighth twenty thirteen. A second inquest confirmed that Winehouse died of accidental alcohol poisoning. 
Mm. In June 2013 interview, uh, Alex Winehouse revealed that revealed his belief that his sister, his sister's eating disorder, and the conquest uh, physical weakness was the primary cause of her death. He said, uh, uh, she suffered from bulimia very badly. That's not like a revelation. Uh, you just knew by looking at her, at her, she would have died eventually the way she was going, but what, 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 what really killed her was bulimia. I think that it left her weaker and more susceptible. Uh, she had not had an eating disorder. Uh, had she not had, a, had an eating disorder, she would have been physically stronger. Right. Yeah. She, uh, she, I mean, we all, we all watched Amy Winehouse kind of fall apart. Uh, this is, this is the member of the 27 club that I remember more distinctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause it, you know, I was very young when Kurt Cobain died. I was not, you know, I think whenever Kurt Cobain died, I was probably three years old. Um, you know, and so, I mean, I wasn't a rocking out at Nirvana, you know, at a such, <laughs> yeah. at, at such a young age, but I remember watching Amy Winehouse fall apart, which I'm sure is very similar to how people viewed Kurt Cobain leading up to his death. Um, she was always in the news about uh, her drinking and just the state that she was in. And uh, obviously bulimic, um, you know, that, that doesn't help things. If your body is not conditioned to help uh, kind of handle intoxication or uh or anything like that you've got nothing soaking up any of the alcohol that you're putting into your body so she just kind of withered away and drank literally drank herself to death um and uh it's very it's very sad um but you know one of the things that i want to point out is as just the common folk we we observe celebrities in a different light um it's easy to make fun of them because you know we're probably jealous to an extent um when they do stupid things it's probably easy for us to be like what an idiot like that person what a waste um you know people said really horrible things about justin bieber years ago they were like god please take justin bieber and give us back amy winehouse or kurt cobain you know and that's a terrible thing to say but I watched so many people talk so much crap about Amy Winehouse leading up to her death. And once she died, it was suddenly like the light switched on and people were like, Oh man, she was amazing. And I think she was, I think she had her, her struggles. Like a lot of people do, like a lot of musicians do. And uh, it got the best of her and eventually took her life. But um, I think as far as a musician goes, she was incredible at what she did. She had very much uh, or very huge success at a young age. Um, Rehab is one of those songs that gets stuck in your head, uh, or at least for me it does. Um, I actually played at a birthday party one time, a private birthday party. That was a costume party. This was shortly after. um, No, it wasn't. It was before she died. Um, There was a a lady here in town that had a private birthday party, loved Amy Winehouse, Uh um, and wanted to have an Amy Winehouse-themed birthday party. We played a lot of music, and we actually played rehab with this lady who dressed up like Amy Winehouse and got up there and sang rehab with us. It was really cool. (laughs) But, um, yeah, uh, so I, I hate to see people talk so much trash about these artists and then suddenly talk about all their accomplishments after they have died. Like yeah. 
anyone else will not hear the great things that people had to say about her. Right. Um, I also heard that, you know, the, the concert before the last concert that she performed was like the kickoff of, of this tour she was about to do. Uh, it was the first night she was so wasted that she was butchering the, the song. And there was a lot of her fans that were actually booing her off the stage. They ended up canceling the tour mm. because they wanted her to get herself straightened out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Unfortunately, she didn't get the chance. Well, let, let, let me ask you a question. In the song Rehab, yeah. um, mm-hmm. she said, I think the lyrics are... They try to make me go to rehab. And, and I, I said, no, 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 no. right. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that's like a, like, like a, like a, hey, man, I need help. Come help me now. You know, do you think that's one of those kind of yeah. things? Or, and like, I, and I like knowing... a lot of musicians, their songs are cries for help. Yeah, because that's the only way they know to ha- how to express themselves. Right. Um, so Amy Winehouse probably was reaching out in some form. Like, of course, I want to clean up, but I know I can't. Yeah. Um, and right. you don't know what it'll take to eventually get people to kind of come to their senses and realize I need help. And uh, right. I-, I wish you would have had the chance. I wish all these people would have had the chance to. Oh yeah. Get yeah. their lives straightened out before their deaths, but. Cause, you know, all cause, we do as their fans is sit here and uh, memorialize them with listening to their music and remembering what they accomplished. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's the appropriate thing to do. Right. Um, a nice little tie-in to this um, I found on Weird History. I wish it was a website. It's more of like a Facebook yeah. page and Instagram and YouTube channel or whatever, um, which I, I gathered a lot of research from. But Weird History had to say this about the 27 Club. While the claim of the statistical spike in the deaths of 27-year-old musicians are consistently disproven by research, the 27 Club remains a cultural phenomenon. One thing is certain, though. The deaths of the club's members all have a common thread of sadness and regret. In many cases, fate played a lead role in their passing. Mm. So, even if you're not a struggling or a musician that's struggling with depression or uh, addiction of some kind, um, you know, it's... reach out for help if you need it. Right. You know, get out there and um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Swallow your pride. Um, get the uh, assistance that you need to get yourself cleaned up. And, you know, I don't want to hear about another person joining the 27 club. No, no. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It makes, me, it makes me very, very sad. Absolutely. But, um, so, this picture you can see here is uh, music is a means of giving form to our, to, uh, to our inner feelings without attaching them to events or objects in the world. That's yeah. That's that's very very cool. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've enjoyed re- uh, in our research of these episodes finding music quotes to kind of go with you know our whole mission of uh, making music the. Uh, the healing factor for depression yes, um, or abuse of some kind, you know, struggles and um, yeah, it, 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 music heals in a lot of ways. Uh, I wish these musicians would have had their music come back to heal in some form um, in a way their, their legacy is helping others yeah. um, heal from uh, their struggles. But, uh, but yeah, I don't want to join the 27 club. I won't. I'm 29 now. Yeah, but, right. Um, yeah. I don't want to hear about, yeah, I made it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to hear about another 
musician taken at such a young life. Unfortunately, uh, I've heard about several over the past few years. There's been some rappers that have died um, yeah. at like the age of 21, and it's uh, it's uh, that's that's even more heartbreaking. Right. Um, you talking about really like being taken before uh, before your prime. Right. And just imagine the the amazing stuff that they would have accomplished if they hadn't died in at the age of twenty seven. Yeah. You know. So I mean, yeah. Hendrix would have like blew all of our minds away. You know, as Kurt Cobain and White yeah. House, all of these great musicians would have would have uh, thrived um, yeah. vigorously in their music history journey. You know, yeah. journey. So. Right. Um. So this has been a. YouTube version. Uh, we are on YouTube with this with this episode, so please go check that out on youtube.com slash when words fail music speaks. It will be up Monday morning, as as this uh, as the audio version will be up uh, at three o'clock uh, tomorrow. Actually, on Monday, yes. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. <laughs> so um, be sure to check out all of our Instagram uh, or social media. Um, we are on Instagram. At When Words Fail Music Speaks Pod, that's P O D. On Facebook at WWFMS Podcast. Twitter at When Words Fail MS. And as always, you can email us at When Words Fail Podcast at gmail.com. And as you know, um, we have a website, When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast. Uh, no, when Words, when Words Fail Music Speaks dot com. Yeah. Uh, you can. You can listen to all of our past episodes, uh, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And yeah. that's where I am, like a hundred percent time. So those are my my social medias. I hardly get all my other ones. So, mm-hmm. how about you? Where where can all um, the lovely so, people find you? Yeah, well, the people can find me on the internet uh, on Twitter and Instagram is what I use the most. Uh, Blake underscore Mosley M O S E L E Y. Um, you can uh, see what I'm up to. Um, please check out my YouTube channel as well. Um, I'm trying to get that going with some drum playthroughs and eventually some drum covers um, of songs. Right now, I'm doing drum playthroughs of songs that I play at church. Right. Uh, I haven't uploaded in a little bit just because I haven't been scheduled to play at church. Uh, I've been off for the past two Sundays, which is why I'm able to record this episode today. Um, but uh, go check that out. Um, and all you have to do is just, I don't have a URL right now. I think I need a few more views and subscribers before I get to that point. But just search Blake Mosley Drums and you'll find me on there. Cool. Awesome. Um, you can also check out my other podcast, Not Religious, uh, that I do with my brother-in-law, Brian. Um, it's available wherever you find your podcast. If you find yourself wanting to learn more about conspiracy theories, if you're like, oh, yes, I'm right there with Blake. Um, I love a good conspiracy theory. We have six episodes uh, with probably about five different theories in those episodes uh, apiece. Um, so uh, go check those out. All right. All right. Yes. Everybody, we thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we, we will see you next Monday. Bye, Ooh. y'all. Goodbye.